I, I know that there's a lot of crazy things going on in the world right now. I, I know that. Lots of bad things, lots of bad news, lots of wild stuff, chaos going on in our nation. I, I mean, I, I know that we're all, we all know that stuff. But I, I feel like this morning the Lord would kind of have us look back at something good, okay? Brothers and sisters, do you remember when you got saved? I do. Anyone see, I've mentioned this before, but uh, the, the show called The Chosen. I don't know if you got to watch it. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. I was just driving up here. Okay. I don't know if you got to see the show called The Chosen, but one of my favorite parts, at least in that season one, I haven't got to watch much of season two yet, but is, is Nicodemus. And if you know your Bible at all, Nicodemus had these genuine questions in his heart. And he wanted to find out more about this man. And it actually says that he came to Jesus at night under the cover of darkness because he didn't want to be seen by the other religious leaders. And Jesus said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Do any of you remember your born again experience? Do you remember when you were born again? I do. I remember it. I still remember it like it was yesterday. You know, one of the ways that I describe when I got saved, it's like I lived my whole entire life in some sort of haze or some sort of fog, but I didn't even know that my vision was blurred by haze or by fog. You don't, you don't even know it. The enemy comes and he blinds you, and you don't even know you're blinded. You don't even know you can't see well. You don't even know you can't see clearly because he's a deceiver. Does that make any sense to you this morning? You know, when I found salvation in Jesus, the way I describe it is it's, it's like Jesus comes with some sort of sponge or something like that. And he begins to wipe away the haze, the dirt and the grime and the, the blinders that's on your eyes. He takes his big sponge, he begins to wipe all of it away, and then you begin to see clearly for the first time in your whole entire life at that moment that you're born again. And when he did that to me, I genuinely felt like I was reborn. Like I was reborn. The Bible is very accurate when it refers to salvation as being born again because that's what it is. It is a born again experience. That's exactly how I felt when I came to true salvation in Jesus Christ. I felt some sort of strange spiritual rebirth. That's what happened to me. I can only tell you things that's happened to me, okay? It's a pastor's old job is to testify the things that's happened to him. This is what happened to me. I was reborn. I was regenerated by Jesus Christ, by the hands of our Savior. You know, I, I remember when my son Luke was born. I, I didn't have any experience whatsoever with babies. It's more so no experience at all with childbirth. You know, I had no idea what to expect. All I knew is here was my wife. She had this big stomach and she's in labor and these nurses are scurrying about and we're in the room and these nurses are scurrying around with all this equipment and the doctor's there and he's doing her thing and, and there's my poor wife in labor and, and there's me standing there like some sort of idiot. And, 
and I was quiet because my wife told me, be quiet. <laughs> she did. She said, be quiet. So I stood there, you know, like some sort of goop, like some sort of third wheel, you know. They all have a part in this, and there I am just standing there, and I had no idea what to expect. All, all I know is, you know, when these babies are born, they, they cry. That's all I really know. These babies, they cry. I had no experience at it at all. And I, I thought that when babies come out, you know, they start crying, you know, to get them lungs opened up, get them to breathe on their own. And when, when my son was born, he came out and he didn't cry. And I remember looking at this child and, man, I was like, whoa, what in the world am I watching here? And, you know, and I see my son and I could see him just as he was born. He came out and I could see him. I don't know if you can see my eyes as far away as you are, but he kept blinking his eyes and kind of like looking around a little bit. And I could tell he was trying to, to focus on this new world that he had just been born into that he'd never seen before, never seen his mom, never saw his dad or doctors or nurses or a hospital room. And as they took him out, the doctor kind of handed him to the nurses. And the nurses, you know how they begin to clean them all up and... If you don't believe me, I have most of this on video. He, there's, he never cries. He squeaks a time or two, but his eyes are just blinking, and he's trying to look all around, and they're working on him and cleaning him up, and he's trying to focus his eyes and see, whoa, what is all this new world? Brothers and sisters, that's, that's what it was like when I got saved. You know, I, I was a young man at the time. It wasn't a, a physical birth. It was a spiritual birth, but it was like I was blinking my eyes, seeing all this whole world for the first time in clarity. That's what it was like when I got saved. It's like I was seeing it all for the first time. Brothers and sisters, it, it was like everything that I looked at, all I could see was the hand of God, the hand of God behind it. And, and I was like, oh my goodness, God, you did all this? You set all this into motion? I was blinking as this newborn babe in Christ, trying to focus and see all this stuff, and it was coming into clarity, coming into to focus for the first time in my entire life. Listen to this. Hebrews 11 verse 3 says, Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of the things which do appear. It was like the first time in my life I was looking around and that faith had sprang to life in me. And all I could see was, Lord, you spoke this into existence. You set all this in motion. This all came from your mind. This all came from your breath, from your word. You framed all of it, God. The earth hangs on nothingness by your word. The sun shines by your word. The stars twinkle because of your word. It was like the first time it all came into clarity. I saw all of creation. It was all around me. The, the beauty of it came out and grabbed a hold of me. What, I, what was previously had been there all the time, I just hadn't noticed it. My vision was too blurred for me, able to be, me to be able to see it clearly. And now I could see it. Now I could see it and I was like, Lord, I get it now. I get it. I see. I see. I was once blind and now I see. It all came into focus. 
Psalms 19 verse 1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth forth His handiwork. Brothers and sisters, you ever looked up at the heavens? You know, I, I think you can see them a little better in the wintertime, even though it's all cold and you kind of want to scurry back to your house or somewhere warm. You don't take much time. But if you can bundle up sometime this winter on one of those clear, cool, crisp nights, maybe this fall we can be fortunate enough. Sometimes it's so clear you can see the Milky Way even. Sometimes you can see shooting stars and you see the stars. And, and I can identify a, a constellation or two. But if you get a moment, just look at, up at them. To me, it's almost like they have a megaphone. When you get saved, it's like they have a megaphone and they're saying, Do you see what he did? He made us. He breathed us out. He, this, 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 we came from his breath. It's like what it shouts to me when I look up at the heavens. They declare the glory of God. They show, the firmament shows His handiwork. It's like the beautiful stars and the darkness and the expanse of it all. It's almost like they're saying, we are God's handiwork. Look at us. Look what He can do. And I remember getting saved. That's one of those things. Still to this day, I'll look up at those stars and I'm just mesmerized by the expanse of it all. Church, I was... I was truly converted, and all I could see was the glory of God and all that He had created. He changed me. He saved me. I didn't care if I got made fun of. I didn't care what my old friends thought anymore. It didn't matter to me anymore because I had true salvation. As God is my witness, listen to me now. This is sometime after I got saved. This is a true story. I was living with four college roommates on a campus in Athens, Ohio, at Ohio University. And my four roommates, they weren't saved. They weren't Christians. And I had one on the whole entire campus of tens of thousands of students. I had one Christian buddy. One. Talk about the odds against you. That's how it's going to be when you're a Christian. I had one True, solid Christian that I still love to this day, and he still serves the Lord to this day. But my one Christian buddy that I had, he was walking over to my apartment complex because him and I, every Wednesday, we would walk to midweek church service together. And he was on his way over, and, you know, I was getting ready, and I remember he knocked on the door. I don't know if I ever shared this story before preaching, but he knocked on the door, and he'd come in, and... And it, my buddy's a very, you know, reserved person, you know, awesome guy. You know, not one to draw attention to himself, but for some weird reason, he came over and he had his Bible in his hand, and I went to my room to get my Bible, and we was going to walk to church together. He walked in to the apartment, and there's my roommates, you know, probably watching Jerry Springer or something. This was back in the 90s. And they're sitting there on the couch, and my buddy walks in, and, Hey, Jason, you ready to go? And whatever he did, he went to fix his shoes or jacket or whatever, but he took his Bible, and my roommates were sitting all around. The, there was a coffee table and watching the TV, and he, he walked over to the coffee table and just slammed his Bible down on that coffee table. When that Bible hit that, it was like, boom! It, and all, all my roommates looked. It, it, even me. And there laid that Bible on that coffee table. You know, and he fixed his coat and... I said, man, you ready to go? He said, yeah, he picked that Bible back up, and off we went to church. 
Boy, they probably thought we were nutcases of some type. But I didn't care. I didn't care. That didn't matter to me. Here we were in the midst of babe paradise. Young babes everywhere on the college university. Everywhere. I, I was old enough to buy beer. No parents. No curfews. Nobody there to tell me what to do. No rules whatsoever. But all me and my buddy cared about was going to midweek church service. Brothers and sisters, once you find Jesus, it's over with then. You don't care about the stupid things of the world. They become foolish to you. None of those things mattered to me anymore. All, all we cared about was going to that midweek church service together. And if I remember correctly, it was me and my buddy, and we were young guys, I don't know, 20, 21 years old, and we went to this church, and it was all like 80-year-old people, and it's just us two 20-year-olds. We didn't care about that either. Hey, you guys want to pray? Hey, do you believe in Jesus? Okay, can we come in? Yep, sure. I, we, I didn't care what my roommates thought about me. We had found Jesus, me and my buddy. We found Jesus. You know, if you read in, in Matthew, I think it's chapter 4, Jesus is just beginning his ministry, and he sees Simon Peter, and he sees Andrew, and they're fishing. And he walks up to them, and he says, follow me. Then a minute later, he sees James and John, and he goes up to them, and I think they're mending their nets. And Jesus says, follow me. In both of those circumstances, it's recorded in the Bible. It says, and they straightway left their fishing. And James and John, it says, and immediately they left their nets. Brothers and sisters, that's what it's like. When you find salvation, it's like whatever you're doing, you're like, okay, I'll immediately follow you. Amen. That's what it was like. You follow him. There's no, I don't know. If that's the case, then you haven't truly seen Christ for who he truly is. When you're truly saved, you immediately leave the nets behind. And you follow him. Now I had found the pearl of great price. And all the other jewels in the world didn't matter to me anymore. But, it's the preacher's job to be as honest and transparent as he can. It was a long road leading up to that point. Long road. Don't try to act like you was always a church person. Don't give me that. Don't give me that for one moment. I was a pastor's kid. You, you all know what they say about the PKs, right? The pastor's kids. You know, the stereotypes and so on and so forth. I'm going to be honest. Some of those stereotypes, at least in my situation, they were true. They were true in my situation. Every time I caught, got in trouble, here comes my mom and dad to tell me what the Bible says and where I went wrong, you know. And I want you to understand this. I was never anti-Bible. I, I, I always believed in God. Always. I, I have never not believed in God. I'm going to be honest with you. Listen to me closely. I do not have enough faith. Even when I wasn't walking in, in a Christian way, I do not have enough faith to believe there is no God. I don't. Too much faith for me. I'm sorry. But I wasn't anti-Bible. I believed in God. Listen to me now. I believed in Jesus. I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I believe that he resurrected. I never have not believed in that. Uh, that was a double negative. I'm sorry. I apologize for that. But I've, I've always believed in that. 
I believe the Bible was true. It was how I was raised. It was how my family did things. My dad's been preaching ever since I've been a little boy. It's kind of what our family's about. We're, we're in the ministry. That's what we do. They would discipline me. They would tell me why they disciplined me. And then they would tell me what the Bible says about it. That's just how I grew up. Okay? Well, that's fine. And then I got a little older. You know, you hit those late teenage years, the 17, the 18, the 19, the 20. Now, I see some of our young fathers in here. You know, some of our young dads, you still got these little kids. And right now, you're Superman at that age. And I'm going to tell you what, enjoy it while it lasts. <laughs> There's going to be a day where you ain't Superman anymore. There's going to be a day when you're almost the enemy. That's the way life goes. That's the way it goes. All I can tell you is hold on for the ride. Lots of praying. Lots of Bible reading. Lots of believing in faith. Listen, I, I got a little older. You know, hit them 18, 19, 20. When you're young, doesn't it seem like the world has so much to offer? It seems like everything that the world has is cool and awesome and wonderful. And then everything this old Bible has, not so cool, not so wonderful, not so awesome. That, that's what it seems like when you're young. And I remember thinking that way. That's the way I thought. Like, like I'm going to miss out. Man, who wants to sit home and read the Bible? I don't want to miss out on fun. I don't want to miss out on a good time. Man, there could be something good happen, and I don't want to miss it. Have any of you heard of FOMO, fear of missing out? That's kind of what I had, the fear of missing out. Man, I don't want to miss nothing. I don't want my buddy to say, oh, man, you should have been there last night. We had a blast because I wanted to have a good time. I was young, and you know when you're young, you're stupid, and you're six feet tall and bulletproof, and you don't think of any type of consequences, which I'm guilty of that. That's how I was. Six foot tall and bulletproof. <laughs> Anything? that we thought was fun, we did it, and we tried to have fun. And I didn't want to miss out. Every, everything that the world has, it's like it glitters. A couple of us were in here doing a little project, I think Friday, and one of the guys made a comment that says, it's like putting lipstick on a pig. That, that's what the world does. They, they put lipstick on a pig, and they try to sell it to you as something good. But when you're young and stupid, it, it's, it works. It works. The devil and his devices and his trickery, it works then. I, I remember, I'm being honest with you now. I remember getting to the point uh, I thought my dad was dumb. I did. I mean, no disrespect to him. But I, I thought my dad was dumb. I never told him that, but I thought it. I remember it being young in my young mind and thinking there's this huge world out there, Dad. And there you are sitting there reading this old Bible. I don't want to be stuck in an old Bible praying to a God you can't even see who's invisible. That's a boring life. Let's go have some fun, man. Let's have a good time. And Church, I had some buddies that were fun to hang out with. Oh, they was fun to hang out with. How many of you know that? Now remember, turn your church mind off for a minute and be honest with me. Amen. How many of you know that 
When you go looking for trouble, you find it, don't you? Anybody say amen to that this morning? You go looking for trouble, you're going to find it. Me and my buddies, we would go looking for trouble, and we would find it. And it was fun to us. Dumb as that sounds, it was fun to us. Can you remember those days? You remember those days? You weren't always a church person. Don't try to sit there quietly and act like I ain't ever done anything wrong. I've always been in church. Uh-uh. I know. I'm not that dumb. We were teenage boys, and we were up to no good. I had one buddy that liked to fight. Oh, yeah, he would like to fight. And if, you know, if you had one dude in your gang, in your crew, that was tough and good at fighting, well, that automatically made the rest of you. You was like the baddest dudes on the planet, you know? My one buddy liked to fight, and if he could pick a fight with someone anywhere, didn't matter where, in a, in a grocery store once, doesn't matter to us. If he could pick a fight with someone, it served as entertainment for the rest of us. And I'll be honest with you, back then, we loved it. We loved, my one buddy would pick a fight. We loved it. It was like MMA before they even had MMA. Whatever we could do that was stupid and foolishness, we did it. If it seemed like it would bring some type of entertainment to us or make us laugh and horse around, we did it. Then I'd go home to my mom and dad. They'd take me to church and I'd hear about God. I'm going to be honest with you, I did feel bad about some of the stuff that I did. I did. I'd come to church and listen to my dad preach, and sometimes I'd even go to the altar. You know, I did feel bad over stuff, treating the people the way I did. And, you know, I'm ashamed of this, but we would vandalize stuff and think it was cool and think it was funny. And now if someone vandalizes my stuff, I'm irate, ready to punch someone. Back then, you don't think, man, that's someone's stuff. Leave their stuff alone. So dumb, so foolish. And I felt bad over some of it, but it was just like a worldly sorrow. Didn't lead anywhere. Yeah, you feel bad about it. Yeah. And then you forget about it. You move on, you move forward. Hey, sorry, Lord, shouldn't have done that. Talk to you later. That's about how it was with me. Listen, I want to I read the first part of this scripture to you. It's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. Look at that first part of it. About sums up me in my younger years. It says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. Back then, to me, the cross just it didn't take. It didn't stick. It didn't. It just didn't. There was a seed inside of me, the good seed. It just didn't grow at that time. Just didn't germ- germinate. I don't know why, it's just part of my journey, brothers and sisters, it just didn't germinate at that time. It just didn't stick. Christianity's fine, but I was deceived because it was my parents' Christianity, and because it was their Christianity, I thought, I am too then. You know, our household is Christianity. I'm saved by association. How many of you know that it doesn't work that way? It doesn't work that way. I thought I was covered under the umbrella of my mom and dad's Christian faith. That's what I thought. You know, they were wonderful Christian people trying to serve the Lord. I thought I was covered. I didn't really think through the fact that each and every one of us 
has to make that decision with Christ on a personal basis. You know, you, you don't really get to know Christ as your Savior because someone else that's close to you knows Him. The, all those people can point you to Him. My mom and dad, they pointed me to Christ. They pointed me to the Word of God. All the churches, the youth programs that pointed me to God, it can all point you to God. I'm pointing you to God right now. But I can't make you saved. I can't make you have a personal relationship with Jesus. I can't. You must face Him yourself. You and Him. Forget about everyone else for a moment. You and Him. But me... Back then, I was doing my thing. I didn't care about other people's feelings. How many of you know, remember when you was unsaved, you could be ugly, can't you? Very ugly person. I didn't care about other people's feelings. I was very, very immature. Very immature, very self-absorbed, very selfish. If, if I didn't have a personal interest in it, if I didn't have a personal stake in whatever the matter was, then don't bother me with it because I don't care. That's how I was. I didn't care at all about education, my schoolwork. I didn't care a lick about it. I didn't care about my job. I didn't care about other people. None of those things mattered to me. I remember I didn't take any pride in my work. When I, my, my boss gave me a job, do this, build this little thing. I didn't care if it looked like garbage or not. Many times he would come back and say, that looks like trash, redo it. I was late to work all the time. My craftsmanship was horrible. And I did stuff that I'm embarrassed of today and ashamed of today. But I'm going to be honest with you. Back then, I wasn't embarrassed. Back then, I wasn't ashamed. Not at all. I didn't care. Makes no difference to me. I'll deal with it some other day. I'm young right now. I have myself a good time. I just didn't care. All that time, I'm sure that I caused my poor mom and dad a lot of stress. I'm sure it was very frustrating for them. They had taught me Christianity. They had taught me the, the word of God, and I wasn't following it. Just didn't take, it didn't stick in me. Just didn't. But how many of you know that Christ Jesus doesn't give up on us? Can you say amen to that? He didn't give up. He didn't give up on me. Even out there doing the stupidest, most foolish things we could think of. Anything that we could get a rise out of. Didn't matter if people got hurt or any of that. Jesus still cared about me. You know, I have a hard time getting over that still. Romans 5.8 says this, But God commended His love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know what that means when a King James says, But God commended His love towards us? It means when He demonstrated it. When He demonstrated His love towards us. When He showed it. When He did voluntary acts to prove it more than just saying it. He demonstrated it. Even when I was that young man doing stupid things, foolish things, God commended His love towards me. 
you understand why I love the Lord so much is because when you come through all this, you have a personal stake in it. You have skin in the game. When you look at the cross now, you got skin in the game. You, you see your sins. It makes sense to you then. But back then when I was that way, God commended his love towards me. Even then. I, I did not care about Jesus, but he cared about me. He did. 1 John 4 verse 19 says this, We love him because he first loved us. I didn't love Jesus first. He loved me first. I didn't care about him first. He cared about me first. I'm serious. I didn't care about him. I didn't love him. And I didn't know him. But he knew me. He cared about me. And he loved me. When I didn't deserve it. You, you know how he got to me? How he reeled this stupid young man in? When, when the gospel seed that was in there when it started to germinate, when it started to wiggle, when some sprouts come out of it, it's because of this. No matter where I went, no matter what I did, no matter what foolishness I was into, no matter what goofy things I was doing, in the deep recesses of my heart, I would have a little thought of God. Just that little flickering thought I would think about God. I just have this, just something in me would flash. If I was in the midst of a party, and brothers and sisters, I've been in parties so thick you just had to stand there because there's so many people around. I would think of God. You know, on the outside, I was having myself a good old time. You know, on the outside, yeah, hey, hey, how you doing, Jason? Good, man. But just there was a quick moment that no matter where I did, what I was doing, just have this little momentary flash of godliness. Just to, it might have been a split second thought of him, but it was a thought nonetheless. You know, I might have been at a party having a good time, everybody laughing and having a good time, but for a split second my mind would recall something about Christ. Remember this one time I had got off work and people was having a party and come on out Jason and I did, and it was just like you see on the movies, you know. They were already there, and I showed up and opened the door, and there's, you know, 18, 19, 20-year-olds in there packed into this house. I'm sure the parents were gone or on trip, wherever it was, and they walk in, and you know how when people's drinking, everyone loves her. Jason, there he is! And I walked in, I was like, hey! And they handed me a piece of pizza, and I started eating. It was like the coolest thing. Oh, it was so cool back then. Then I'd have that little flash. It was almost like, I'm being serious now, it was almost like Christ was like sitting there waiting patiently. It was almost like he was saying, son, this ain't what I have for you. Amen. This ain't what I have for you, son. Mm-mm, this ain't it. You know, and I might have had a big smile on my face, having a good old time. If you look at me, you would probably think, there ain't no hope for him, he's lost. But in the, the, the deep recesses of my heart, that seed just started to wiggle and just these little sprouts started coming out of it. No matter where I went, he was there. Listen to this. This is the psalmist's way of saying what I'm feeling today. Psalms 139 verse 7 says this. It says, Whither shall I go from thy spirit? 
This is a man talking to his creator. Whether shall I go from thy spirit, or whether shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up to heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hides not from thee, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike unto thee. See, back then I thought if I was, if I kept it crafty, mom and dad didn't know where I was. I stayed secretive and I did things in the night, in the darkness that they covered my evil deeds. But it was like even the darkness is light to God. Doesn't matter if you try to hide it or if you do it out in the open, it does not matter to God. He's there. He sees it. That's how he got to me, church. That's how he got to me. No matter what stupid thing I did, I knew, I knew he was there. I knew that he saw it. It was like some sort of inescapable reality. He loved on me, and he kept patiently waiting for me. That's how he got to me. I'd do something dumb, he was there. I'd do something stupid, he was there. I'd be somewhere I shouldn't be, he was there. I'd be sneaky, I'd be crafty, he was there. I could fool people, I could buffalo people, make them think I was a good person. I couldn't fool him, I couldn't buffalo him. He was there. My parents, good as parents as they were, they couldn't be there all the time. You know, when you get older, you know, you hit them later years in life. 18 and 19 and 20, you, know, you start getting independent. You, you get your driver's license. You're gone all, you're all working all the time and you go off to college. My parents couldn't be there all the time. My youth leaders, they couldn't be there all the time. They couldn't be there to say, uh, don't do that. That's not good. They couldn't. It was impossible. My church family, they couldn't be there all the time. They couldn't. It's not possible to say, hey, whoa, your, your, your church... Your church family doesn't think this is a good idea. Don't do it, son. They couldn't be there. But he could. He could. He was there for every single foolish deed that I ever did. He was there. Even when I made my bed in hell, he was there. Even when I thought the darkness covered my evil deeds, he was there. Even when I didn't know Jesus, he reached out to me. He reached out to me. Well, to make a long story short, you're probably thinking this ain't a very short story, but believe me, I could go on for a long time. I won't. I'll try to quit, but make a long story short, the Lord Jesus has his ways of getting a hold of you, doesn't he? He has his ways. Boy, he has his ways. He got a hold of me. And I remember it's like you, you look up and you see the Christ of Christianity for the very first time in your life. He actually becomes Christ Jesus. He becomes your Savior. You you start to understand and you start to perceive. I remember, you know, finally acknowledging Jesus Christ as Lord over my life. And when I did that, you know, I had done it before as a little kid, you know. When you're a little kid, it's one thing. But when you become an adult, you know, that young man, it's different. You know, I had acknowledged him as a young man. And when I did that, he came into my life like some sort of tidal wave. He did. 
He watched over every part of my life like no one's business. He did. Matter of fact, I'm not kidding you. I remember going around to people. I had a little list. I went around to people and apologized to them for the way that I treated them. I treated some people in my life like dirt. Like like they were expendable. Who cares about their feelings or what happens to them? Who cares if I trample on them? Doesn't matter. I went around my list of people and I apologized to a certain group of people. Told them I was sorry. I told them I was a fool and I acted like a fool. And I apologize for my behavior. He saved me. I got saved. I did. I am now regenerated. I found salvation in Jesus Christ. And since that day, brothers and sisters, I have never looked back. I'm going to tell you why I have never looked back. Because I don't want to. Look back to what? What? You remember... I think it's in John chapter 6. You can go home and read this sometime. Jesus preached on some difficult things, on eating his flesh and drinking his blood. and It actually kind of repulsed a lot of people. It repulsed a lot of even his own disciples. And it says, from that time, many turned away from him. And Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, will you too turn away from me? If you remember Peter's response, Peter says, to who will we go? You have the words of life. That, that's how I feel. If Christ looks at me, I'm like, Lord, turn back to what? Tur- turn back and go after what? They got nothing to offer me, Lord. There's nothing, nothing to offer me. Nothing that gets my attention or makes me want to turn away. You have the words of life. I got no one else to follow. I got no other options. I don't want any other options. That's what it's like when you truly get saved. I ain't turned back because I don't want to turn back. There's nothing back there for me. Listen now, my salvation, it is undeserved. I don't deserve it. I don't deserve to be saved. It is unmerited. It's not based on my behavior. It's not based on, well, i got to start cleaning myself up. i got to start treating people nice. And then maybe the Lord will accept me. Maybe then I'll be good enough. Maybe then I can achieve heaven. It's not based on any of that. It wasn't earned in the slightest. It was him the whole time reaching out to me. It was not based on my character. It was not based on who my parents were. It was not based on what my family did. Even though my family was in the ministry, it was not based on that. It was based on this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever shall believe on him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's what it's based on. For God so loved the world. It's based on the fact that on an individual basis, God loved me. He loved me. Don't know why. Have no idea why he likes me, why he cares about me, why he would love me, why he would die for me. I wouldn't have. If I would have saw someone like me back then, uh-uh, I would have turned and went the other way. But he didn't. Now listen, since getting saved, I haven't stopped. The, the journey doesn't start, stop there, brothers and sisters. That's your beginning. That's not the end. That's, that's, that's the beginning of the race. That's the beginning of the journey. Christ lit something in me, and it has not gone out. It will not go out. I don't, the world can dump as much water on my heart as it wants to, but the flame will not extinguish. I can't explain it. Listen to me now. 
is it, this, I'm being factual now, testifying to things of my life. I love the Lord more now than I even did back then when it was all brand new to me. I love Him more now than when I first got saved. So I found salvation. Then what happened? Well, if you remember, a few months ago, I talked about the process. I talked about the word justification, remember? To be justified in the eyes of God, it's, that is the point where you get saved. And God looks at you and He sees the righteousness of Christ. Then after that, if you remember, I talked about sanctification. That is the process after you get saved. That is a process where God takes you and he brings you unto himself. He makes you more holy. He makes you more Christ-like. He prunes you. He cleans you up. He gets rid of things. He adds things. It's the process of sanctification. I have been going through that and I will continue going through that process until the day that I die. Since being born again as a young man... I've been going through the sanctification process. God has molded me. He's pruned me. And he's shaped me. Guess what? There's still things in me that I feel his hand going, eh, this needs to go, son. This needs to go. Just recently, I, don't, I kid you not, just recently he's saying, mm, how about I put my finger on this? This needs dealt with, son. This needs dealt with. And I got no choice but to submit to his lordship. He's lord of my life. John 15, 1 says, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that bears not fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. That's the process I've been going through since when I was a young man, and I got saved. True salvation. He's been coming with his pair of snips in his hand, and he's like, this branch is doing good. Let me snip some off so that it can produce more fruit. And sometimes that process is painful. You heard the saying, old habits die hard. There's truth to that. Sometimes he snips things that hurt. Things that's been rooted inside of you for a very long time. They don't come out very easily. You can't just say, Lord, take this away. And it's gone. Hey, and it's all good. No, some things he's got to yank them out of you. And you're like, oh. So listen, as part of my sanctification process, now this, this part's my journey. This, yours may be different, but I have taken, and I, I fear a lot of Christians are afraid of this, but I have taken all of my, just like Nicodemus, I've taken all of my difficult, my genuine difficult questions, and I've taken them to the Lord. Because I've got some questions. I've got some things that, I, I, Lord, can you give me some answers on this? Can you point me in the right direction? Listen, church, if you have questions, take them to the Lord. Ask and ye shall receive. Knock and it shall be opened. Seek and ye shall find. Too many Christians are afraid to find answers. Afraid to seek out answers to difficult questions. I've taken all those difficult questions. I've taken them to the Lord. All of them as part of my process, a part of my journey. Is this Bible really the true word of God? Is it? If I'm going to base my life on this, is it really true? I've taken that to the Lord. Is Christianity the one true world religion? Man, there's millions of people that are Buddhist. There's millions that are Hindu and Islamic. There's all kinds of cults. Is this really the true one world religion? Take those questions to God. Don't be afraid of them. He will give you answers. Did Jesus really rise from the dead? Did that really happen? Take those questions to God. Did the miracles in the Bible 
I mean, these are unexplainable miracles. Did they really happen? Take that to God. Take those tough questions to him. Did they really occur? Brothers and sisters, do you have doctrine questions? Do you have theological questions? Take them to the Lord. You and God, figure them out. That's part of your process, part of your journey. Now, you don't have to be like me. You don't have, if those aren't questions in you, that's fine. I know some people, they don't need answers to those questions. That's fine. You don't have to be like me. I'm only telling you a little bit about my journey. But don't be afraid of those questions is what I'm saying. What about life's difficult philosophical questions? Who am I? Why am I here? Where did I come from? Where am I going? How should I act? All those philosophical questions, I've taken all of them to the Lord. All of them. And over time, through a process, He'll answer them. He'll give you this book. It's all you need as a roadmap to heaven. It's all you need. All you need. A little bit of prayer, a little bit of study, and you will get the answers you're looking for. You will. I've taken them all to the Lord. Over time, he's answered them. And it has shaped me. It has formed me. The godly men and women in my life have also helped to shape and to form me and to mentor me into who I am today. Now, I'm not saying that I know everything. Don't, don't think that for a moment. I'm not bragging or boasting. I'm not saying that at all. But what I am saying is this. I can make a defense for what I believe. I can make a defense for my faith. I can tell you why I believe what I believe. I can tell you who I am. I can tell you where I came from. And I can tell you where I'm going. Hallelujah. Amen. If I can have the band make their way back. Listen, I want to tell you this. As, as part of my journey through all this that I shared with you this morning, I have a bedrock foundation for my life to where everything that I am is built upon that foundation. And that foundation is Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ is Lord of my life. He is my Lord and my Savior who's shed blood on the cross, paid the atonement for my sins. Look, this world can go crazy. It's going crazy. It's going to go crazy. I read biblical prophecy in my book. I don't know that I see it getting a whole lot better. I don't. I think it's going to get a whole lot worse even. I've preached many times and I've told you, hold on, church, because I think things are going to get bumpy from here on out. I truly believe that. But at the end of the day, no matter how crazy or ludicrous this world gets, I got my testimony. And the world can't take that away. I got saved. He saved me. Okay? What's going to happen in the future? I don't know, but I do know this. He saved me. He regenerated me. I am born again. I'm on my way to heaven. He saved me. I've been reborn. It took a while. took a long time. A long time. But the gospel finally took root in me. His, his word does not come back void. It accomplishes that in which he sets it out to accomplish. Now, it's not on our timeline. I know all you moms and dads probably think for their children, oh, I don't want my kids to ever go through all this or that. It's not on your timeline. It's on his timeline. And you want it to happen on his timeline. We, don't, we shouldn't want anything to happen our way. It should all happen his way. 
Listen, now I'm going to complete that scripture that I read to you earlier from 1 Corinthians 1.18. says, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Can we stand this morning? Listen, church, this morning I shared to you a little bit of my testimony. This my journey. Now, now your journey doesn't have to be exactly like mine. We're, we're not robots. We're individuals. Your journey might look a lot different than mine. But I say that to encourage you. And if there be anyone listening, anyone listening via live stream, you need to know the Lord Jesus Christ. When you meet the real deal, the, the real Christ, He will change you. You will straightway leave your nets and follow Him. You will immediately leave your fishing vessel and you'll follow Him. And you'll never look back. Because there is nothing, nothing in this world that compares to Jesus Christ. You know, around here, every few weeks or so, every month or so, we like to do the ABCs of Christianity. You know, the A and the B and the Cs makes it real nice and simple. A is admitting that you're a sinner. It takes a long time to, to come to that conclusion, to, to see that you, to look within yourself and, you, and to finally admit, it's me, I'm the problem. I'm, I'm broken. There's something wrong with me. That's the A, you admit that. The B, you believe in this book. You believe in Jesus. You believe in his death, burial, and his resurrection. You have faith in it. You subscribe to it. It's belief in it. And then C, you confess it. You confess it verbally with your mouth. If there's anyone in here that has not done that, I'm just telling you my story this morning. That's what happened to me. If it convinces you or not, that's what Jesus did for me through my years. And I'm telling you, it is the single greatest thing that has ever happened to me. So great that it's my pearl of great price. I still have that pearl. I still hold it dear to me. And I'm not going to let it go. No matter how outlandish this world gets, I'm holding on to that pearl of great price. I'm holding on to Jesus Christ. Listen, these altars are open. If you need saved, come get saved. Confess it to the Lord. There's no, no special words or, or way to say it. You just tell them, Lord, I'm a sinner. I'm a mess. And I need saved. Anyone listening at home, tell them, I'm a sinner. I made a wreck out of this. I made a disaster out of this. And I need saved. I need help. We're going to worship now. And as we do, I pray, everyone, enter in. Worship your Savior. Think back to those days. You know, the Bible tells us, don't forget about those days. Don't forget your testimony. Don't forget about it. Remember back then when you were a mess and what he did and when he came in and we, when he cleaned you up. Remember that church. Don't ever forget. You weren't always this cleaned up church person that you were today. Everything that you are today, everything that I am, is because of God came in and he cleaned us up. He bound up our wounds. He set the captives free. He took the chains off of you. And now we're free. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Let's worship.